welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books and all the things that are yet to be revealed in Legacy of the Force Book 8, Revelation. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on the podcast, we're going to cover chapters 1 through 4, I guess, prologue through 4 Yep. of Legacy of the Force Book 8, Revelation. Now, the trick is that Last time, when we did a chapters episode, we did six of them, and it was 40-some pages. Pew, pew, pew! <laughs> this week, we're back to our regular four, and we're up to a hot and heavy 80 pages. <laughs> yes. Karen, what are you doing to me? Why are you trying to kill me? Read it all in one day, in one afternoon, and made notes on all of it. So, buckle up for that. <laughs> but first, bum, bum, bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, we talked about Book 7, Fury. And then we got ready to talk about Book 8, Revelation. Which starts with the prologue, and a location card, and a timestamp. Yes. Endor, 12 weeks after Mara's death. So... Since about the three quarters point of sacrifice, it's been twelve weeks. No, it's only been three months. Yeah, that's not long at all for your mom and wife to be dead. So does that mean it takes about a month per book? Maybe. Maybe the whole thing happens in nine months. I bet you that'd be an easy thing to look up on Wikipedia at the very end of the whole thing when we review the entire series. Yes, that's. What I'll make I'll that my it. job. So. In the prologue, we get Jaina. Not just a timestamp, not just the location card. Jaina right away. Mm-hmm. No more neglecting the twin sister. Mucho Jaina introspection intro. <laughs> Muchacho. <laughs> she says, Jason died in the Vong War. Boba Fett's got to teach me to kill Jedi. Jason can't be invincible. Nice. Mm-hmm. For anybody who knows, the next book is called Invincible. Well, foreshadowing. She also thinks to herself, he's too cocky not to overestimate himself. Yep. Jason yeah. is too cocky not to overestimate himself. B-I-N-G-O-N. Hubris was his name-o, because mm -hmm. this guy thinks he can do no wrong. And as we cataloged several times along the way of this journey, he does uh, all the things wrong a lot of the time. And apparently she uh, still seems to know her brother a little bit. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's her weakness too, right? Is her over pride. That's what has been her weakness in her life. Yeah. It's the same thing as Jason. Mm -hmm. Just manifested in different directions. She says she still despises Fett. But she has to go learn from him, which I think will make an interesting master-apprentice dynamic if he'll have her. Chapter one starts with one of our favorite Karen Travis tropes, a blurb. When the nation is in its darkest peril, the great warrior sailor Darakar shall be summoned from his eternal sleep by a rhythm beaten on his ancient drum. For his final pledge was that he would come to our aid when the drum sounded and that we should call him when we sailed to meet the foe. Ermenu Folk Legend. Now, for anybody who is listening to our review episode, which we literally just finished recording 55 seconds ago, the trick is that that's what I was just talking about. <laughs> about how all of the mythical heroes are coming together, mm -hmm. being summoned by the beating of the drum, which is every horrendous thing that Jason is doing. Yep. It's like a big bong, bong, like sound through the galaxy. A rippling wave that's drawing everybody into him like a tide to erode his fucking power that he's been building. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, powerful, unplanned analogy. <laughs> and I, damn, that was good. All right, somebody clip that. That's my job. All right. Yes, it is. The blurb leads us 
Back to Endor, where we get a timestamp. Still 12 weeks after Mara yeah. Jade's death. Weird, but okay. It, this time it's Ben. Thinking about killing Jason. And he thinks a stranger is someone you never loved or looked up to. Because everybody's calling Jason Solo a stranger. Oh, it's like you don't even know him. He's a stranger now. Yeah. Well, a stranger is someone you never loved or looked up to. Family could hurt you like no one else. Throwing Ben right back out there with his heavy, heavy wisdom from our resident 14-year-old sage. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy gets everything. Yeah. I think he gets it because he's not... He hasn't seen as much. He's, It's like Maybe, the, right? the little kid's way of looking at it, but he says it in an, like, adult... Like, <laughs> adult wording. Right. And, well, like how... Kind of the concept of like, as you gain experience, it just kind of clouds your judgment. Mm-hmm. Things become less clear, like a, like a, like a, a puddle collecting dirt. Yeah. yeah like a pool oh. of water collecting dirt. Over time, it gets less clear and everything is a little more shades of gray. When you're 14 years old, everything seems very obviously right and wrong. Mm-hmm. But then again, he's been very right and not very wrong throughout the course of these books. Yeah. You know, more often than not, he's right. He also reveals to us in this moment that his, quote, absolute all-consuming need to destroy Jason is still very much present. He's looking back on finding his mom's body, thinking about that whole sequence of events after he found her and Jason's sudden arrival, and he's sure it was Jason. How did he find me? Yeah. How what did he know where to go? I was yeah. hiding in the forest. Things don't make sense. How how did that all happen? This is like his GAG brain, right? Mm-hmm. That he's been trying to use ever since he found his mom's body, where he was like takes a recording of the of the crime scene and all that stuff, think trying to think about it dispassionately. This is that side of his brain. Gathering information, gathering evidence, and noticing the discrepancies. The uh, inconsistencies in people's stories versus the events. Yeah. And he's on the right track. I mean, we all know he killed her ass. J- Jason <laughs> killed her. He killed, yep. your, he killed your fucking mom, man. You're on the right track. <laughs> Keep going. And like once again, everything he's doing is right. You know, he's doing it the right way. He's not. Okay. So he was like in a fit of rage when he burst out of the torture machine. Yeah. But most of the time, he's like trying to do things. Calmly and logically in a, in a way where he's not going to have regrets, which is, again, very wise for a 14-year-old. Like, mm-hmm. God. So he's convinced it was Jason. He's got to tell someone. It can't be dad because he'll snap. Will he, though? Or will he just do nothing again? Yeah. Well, maybe it's emotionally 50-50? snap. Yeah. You're Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Probably break him. Yeah, go back into... Just got him. Pupa Skywalker. Pupa Skywalker. <laughs> I thought you said pubis at first. <laughs> no, no. It's kind of the same idea, though. <laughs> you know, like a younger version. <laughs> Unde- undeveloped version. I'm just going to let that one sit there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of gross. Anyways, he needs to tell someone. So he tells Leia and Jaina. Because if you can't talk to your dad, talk to his sister. He figures these Jaina's kind of just accidentally there for the conversation. Yeah. But he figures Aunt Leia is, you know, the most level headed person that I could talk to about this in my family. She's like the strong rock politician who doesn't get it, doesn't easily let her emotions overwhelm her. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. She doesn't get very shaken. So he lays out his whole case for them. How did he have the Sith sphere? How did he find me? He had the motive. Alema doesn't. Why would Alema kill my mom? She's after you and Uncle Han. Never anybody else. Never. Unless they just happen to get in her way. Yep. He's trying to disregard his feelings and just focus on the the facts and evidence so that he's not misleading himself. Again, very wise. Yep. Very, very wise. And Leia and Jaina seem to kind of appreciate that fact 
that he's not being overly emotional. Yeah. And they kind of start to consider the possibility that Jason maybe killed Mara Jade Skywalker. At the end of the conversation, though, Ben doesn't really care if they believe. No. Nope. He decides he's going to solve this case for his mom. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to solve this case for my mom. Yeah. You know, he's like, why else do you think she hung around in corporeal force form until Jason showed up at her funeral? Don't you think she's trying to tell us something? And he's not talking about that like a force feeling. Yeah. Just about consider it as a evidence. You know, a piece of evidence building to, on top of this massive pile. Cut to Bastion in the Imperial Remnant. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. Well used again, I would bet. And weren't we just recently asking where the hell the Imperial Remnant was? Yes. Uh, yeah, we were. were we like talking two to... or three episodes ago. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was just between you and me. We, we might have just been talking about it in the car, but I think we brought it up on an episode. Where the hell has the Empire been during this whole war? Well, it turns out they've just kind of been sitting back, staying the fuck out of it. Yeah, they've just been watching. It's not in their territory. It's not their people. It's not their governments. No. It's just kind of interesting how we were just complaining about where they are, and now here they show up in the narrative. Yeah. I mean, we both kind of remembered that they were in it more. <laughs> there was definitely there's something upcoming for sure but here it is like immediately after we were just talking about it like the other day yeah because we were kind of missing them we're like i thought for sure they were in this way more and... where is my man old gill yeah well here the fuck he is and it turns out they say here and it's refined further to be a more accurate detail he's in his 90s in mm. fact he's 92 years old yep Forced to retire from the head of the GA Navy, which Nyathal ended up taking over. Yeah. He's now in, in, in retirement and on Bastion and the the head of the Imperial Remnant. He's the head of state for the Imperial Remnant. He's their Jason Solo and Admiral Nyathal. He's a good choice. He's their long string of dead Karelian prime ministers. He's that equivalent. He's the head of state. His attendant has brought him a message from the Galactic Alliance. A handwritten note on a piece of flimsy from Jason Solo. Amounts to give us your army yeah. or big rewards. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? As you do. And old Gil quickly crumples this note from the brat, as he calls him. Says, you yeah. can't have my ships. <laughs> no, you can't play with my ships. He also wonders if his attendant is his son. He laments another son whom he never revealed his parentage to. <laughs> okay. Gil got around. Some real, some real like emotion dump from him all of a sudden out of nowhere. But maybe him and Jason have something in common after all. Secret children. Mm-hmm. Something to bond over and bring the Imperial Remnant into For when the war. they finally have a meeting. Cut to the Chief of State's office on Coruscant, where Jason now has that crumpled note returned to him in his hand. Which is a fucking power move. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I send you a letter requesting your help. You mail me back the letter crumpled up in a ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I loved it. That is some empire shit right there. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we don't politic, man. We don't. Well, we do. Internally. Yes. <laughs> but like, we don't just play these simple games like that. We're not so easily bought and sold. I kind of like that about the empire in this iteration. Yeah. They weren't. They used to not be cool. Okay. I don't know if you guys know that. I was kind of like Jason in his office with the crumpled note. He is with Tahiri. Welcome back. Mm -hmm. Missing from the entire last book doing God only knows what she was in the previous book where she left the stealth X and then she was not in the book. And then now she's in the book <laughs> and Jason's telling her old Gil needs to be wooed. He needs some buttering up before he's going to accept this deal, obviously, because he's obviously going to accept it at some point. Go offer him some more territory. What does an empire need? People yeah. to rule. Worlds to control. 
So wear something nice, Tahiri. This yeah. is your mission. Yeah. He seems quite calm and collected. He even spends time evaluating the current threats, deciding which one is most important. Like a, you know, as like a checklist of what what to deal with first. And he comes to the answer of Fondor's shipyards, supplying the Confederation with star destroyers, and we'll go take that ship. Now wait a second. That's the number one thing to do on your list. Not go find your daughter. Yeah. Because when we last left him, it seemed like that was going to be his yeah, only focus. He was in a he was in a freak out because she was gone. This has been at the timestamp on it at the top of the of the paragraph or whatever. It says it's been two days since the Anakin came back to Coruscant. So however long that takes from where they were, it's been two days essentially since his daughter was kidnapped. Yeah, it wasn't really damaged, so it's And he's sitting there going over reports uh military uh planning mm-hmm. boring detail stuff. Instead of fixating and ruminating and like obsessing over getting his daughter back. Yeah. We've had a lot of tough transitions from one end of a book to the beginning of the next where the tone changes drastically as it has to, right? You can't have the the beginning of your book feel like the end of a book. Yeah. Just in general, but it's a pretty fucking hard cut every time mm-hmm. to go from in this instance on his knees, breathless, almost sobbing, crushed inside to just paperwork on his desk casually talking to Tahiri about yeah. you go fucking sweet talk the Imperial yeah remnant. going through a checklist doesn't even mention it doesn't even think about it to himself it actually I'm truly shocked that mm-hmm. it, it didn't get mentioned he didn't even give it a passing thought it feels like it was missing from the scene yeah it feels like it was like that would be a missing thread just to have him consciously thinking to himself i'm gonna focus on this paperwork so that i don't go crazy yeah even if they just tacked her voice in an inner or her name in an inner monologue just that's exactly what that's all you need it put it in his thoughts for me yeah it can't be absent completely from his first appearance in the book yeah they would just have to be her name it's just kind of it was just kind of discordant from the end of the last book where of course right like I said, you have to have a tone shift. You can't, the beginning of your book can't feel like the end of a yeah. book. So we start in a calm place. <laughs> yeah. Chapter two has a famous Karen blurb. Thank you for your recent payment. The outstanding estate of the late Hidu Rezodar has now been released by the Registry of Testaments and Legacies, and you may collect the items anytime in the next 10 days. Now the claim process has been activated. Any item not removed by that time will be auctioned by the state of FEDA and you will forfeit all ownership. Any taxes or duties payable on the items must be settled before leaving the planet. Message from Faden State Treasury to Boba Fett. Mandalore, Al-Ori Ramakad. Al-Ori Ramakade. Leader of the Mandalorian clans. That's what Mandalore means. And commander of super commandos, which must be Al Ori Remicade. Commander of super commandos. Here we fucking go again. The translation is redundant. Yes. Oh my God. I hate their language. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can do this for one more book. Jane is going there. It's going to be so much Mando babble bullshit. Mm -hmm. All right. It's going to be. That is. So the chapter two blurb essentially is telling us Boba Fett has bought the contents of a storage locker, which of course contains his not dead ex-wife's body. And That's we, not creepy. And we start on Keldabe Mandalore. Fett is on his way <laughs> to Bavine's farm. Almost marveling over the resurgence and resilience of the planet and its people as he's flying over it. He picks up Mertegev and they're off to Feta to grab Carbonite Grandma Sintes Vel. Side effects may range from temporary blindness to permanent insanity. Yes. Those are 
Some downsides. Yeah, he definitely wanted to put that one in small print. Especially when you consider the fact that he later reflects to himself that allegedly this is how people traveled across space before hyperspace travel was invented. They froze themselves in carbonite, just put on autopilot. Yep. And that was before the technology was refined as it is how, now, too. Right, right. The carbonite freezing process. How many people just woke up whacked on their <laughs> ships? Oh, that's a scary thought. Yeah. what? A, that would be an interesting book. Okay. And you don't know. He doesn't know that he's crazy. That'd be cool. Crazy. Okay. Anyhow. Bove has been crazy this whole time. He also tells Murtagev, I killed Fen Shaisa, who I guess used to be the Mandalore. Like, I don't fucking care, Karen. Yeah. Sorry to tell you, man. I know, like, she yeah, writes his... the, the Republic Commando books and the 501st. She's always writing books about clones. I don't care about Mandalore. I just don't. Yeah. Not when I want to. Not when I want to resolve this story of Jason and stuff. Like, she spends so many pages and, like, so many words on describing Mandalore, the planet, the people, the state, the history, the future, the... Okay. The kid and the guy and his kids and what family they're from and what farm they live next to. And I get it. Yeah. But I don't care right now at all. And maybe that is, you know, a downfall, a negative side effect of reading these books back to back to back to back to back to back without having the the distance of publishing releases, right? Where, like, they didn't come out a week after each other. They were months apart, months apart. Yeah. Where you want to have a nice ease back into the story, maybe. But I'm sitting here like, no, man, pump the brakes on all this Mandalore stuff. Mm -hmm. Pound the gas on the Sith stuff. That's yeah. what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, just a just a little bit more. Just a little bit. Like, just ease off a bit. I don't care who Fen Shaisa is. I don't. I don't care that he's respected by all the other Mandalorians. Here's the problem with this. Okay. The only Mandalorian I've ever cared about is Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care about anybody else. Until recently, he's having some growth. Yeah. But that's why I don't care about them. Because the only guy I care about who's them doesn't care about them and never has. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to want to connect to that now after knowing Boba Fett the character all this time. Yeah. Where he's like, he's the lone soldier. He's the gunslinger. He's out there on his own. I don't know. John Wayne. I don't care about John Wayne's hometown and the farmers there and whether or not it was burned down by bandits before and now it's rebuilding and like... This section of the forest has red flowers and stuff. Oh. Do you care that his real first name is Marion? I don't care. Okay. Who? John Wayne. Oh. No. Okay. <laughs> I knew it was a fake name for sure. But yeah. Also, it's a it's a firsty firsty name. Yeah. It's a problem. That's my name too, I guess. I I, I have an uncle, John Wayne. Fake. <laughs> we just call him Uncle Wayne. We don't we don't we don't call him Uncle John or See? anything, but Call him Uncle John Wayne. <laughs> My brother does. Of course. Someone's got to. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Anyways, the point being, I don't fucking care. No. But Boba Fett does and stuff, so. Guess that matters. All right. I mean, I guess it does. <laughs> you want to you wanna live that, that kind of life like that, I guess. Uh, I. It's important to know that. It's, to, it's world building and stuff. Yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I get it. But you know what? Their language is annoying. Their general behavior is annoying. I just don't. I'm not into it. Cut to Fleet HQ, Galactic City. Where Nyathal is reflecting on Jason killing Tabut. Yeah, the word is spreading. She thinks Jason has lost it. She mm-hmm. calls the act deranged. Not wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> she cruises through the rank and file who seem terrified. She meets in her office with former fo- force shove victim, Captain Neville. Who asks her, what are you going to do about Jason Solo? Because, like, the man's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> He's obviously. gone out of control. I don't know if you know that. Captain Neville, he's probably still sore. She tells him straight up, nothing yet. That's her answer. Nothing yet. 
She says, I'm not in a position to do so. And with a target like Jason, you can't miss your shot. Mm -hmm. You have to kill him. If he gets back up and takes any shots, you are in trouble. Yep. Kind of the same mentality everybody's taking with him is let's gather as many resources as we can to attack him with all at once. Yeah. So we don't miss. Yeah, like they did with Centerpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, well, Centerpoint missed, but <laughs> twice. Missed him twice. <laughs> That's a lucky man. Yep. Either way, nothing yet is the answer. She's got plans, though. Oh, also, she's spying on Jason for Luke. No big deal. Just as you know, casually reveal. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That was. That I don't was know a... if that was ever brought up before, but I don't think Luke mentioned he has been in contact with Nyathal. I know they talked a couple of times, but nothing. I think like that. Now that I say that, I think he might have mentioned. Maybe we can talk to her. Maybe she'll be the reasonable one, kind of thing. Maybe yeah. you know. I don't know. Either way, casually, she's just going to drop that information. It's also mentioned that. Give us a little bit of flavor of what life on Coruscant is like right now. It's pretty calm. Because they're sitting outside of the war. They're largely untouched by the war. Yep. Other than, you know, the early riots, Karelian riots on (laughs) on Coruscant and the biological uh, warfare attack that even got Kyle Katarn sick and, you know, all the bombs Uh, and stuff. Other than all that. So how bad is the war going for the rest of the galaxy? Exactly the point I was just going to make. By comparison, if that's doing well, good grief, Charlie Brown. The rest of the galaxy is doing bad, real bad. Yeah. But things on Coruscant aren't bad enough yet for people to like be revolutionary and overthrow Jason. So she's biding her time building her resources, but she still has to meet with Jason. They are joint chief of state after all. And she has to go, of course, slap him on the wrist and tell him bad boy for killing a young officer in front of the entire bridge. Yep. Which she does Mm -hmm. in his office. And he seems exactly 0% regretful. Jason says, mistakes get you killed. Anyway, let's attack Fondor with the Imperials. Mm -hmm. Cut to the Millennium Falcon on Endor. Where Jaina says... So, Dad, how do I contact Boba Fett? Everybody just wants to be real fucking casual here at the beginning of the book, huh? Hey, Dad, <laughs> how do I get in contact with that bounty hunter who's been trying to kill us all, uh, all of our entire lives? Yeah, everybody's really to the point. <laughs> and Han's pretty casual about it, too. In fact, he says, I don't know, I I usually just stand around like an idiot. And he comes, Man, he, he he starts comes shooting to me. or whatever. Yeah. That's pretty good. Karen tells us something here through Jaina, through Jaina's observation of Han. Karen tells us some days Han disowned Jason and some days he wanted to fix him. What? Since when? Han has not expressed that. I don't think at all through seven full books. He hasn't really explained either side. Well, no, but he's pretty much just been like, stereotypical non-communicational dad who's now just disowning you yeah like that was it it was never we'll get him back that has not come out of his face at all jason's dead he said it so many times he was the one who told leia okay yeah just gonna fucking change that tone real quick with a few key strokes or maybe it's in like based on her being family and like obviously we don't get an explanation or the detail or any of that. Her being her being family, it's just his just his deeper connection, his mannerisms and stuff like that, and how he says things rather than maybe or maybe it's just recently when she's been back around now. And yeah, now that I think about that too, right? Maybe he's got one kid back. He wants to try to save the other one too. Could be. Well, would you rather have two out of three or one out of three? Maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. Either way. That seemed like a real retcon. <laughs> I don't know. It that was that was pretty sideways. Either way. Back to the point. Jaina, again being super casual as everybody is with their information in this, asks Han another weird question. Hey, do you think Jason killed Mara? 
Just off the off the back of your hand. Sorry, no, no, no. Han asked Gina that question. Just super casual. Uh, hey, do you think your brother killed your aunt? I think, think he's that, capable. Think that could happen? You think that's possible? Oh yeah, another question. What's your plan, Jaina? What's your plan? And she just gives him a simple plan: bring Jason in. Yeah. Once again, different tone than the last time we checked in, and the plan was kill Jason. Yeah. Jason Solo must die. This has happened like four books where the end of the previous book literally ends on the note. Jason Solo must die. And then the next book starts with maybe he's all right. (laughs) Yeah, that's getting a little tired. That's uh, I think we're way past that point of anybody giving this guy the benefit of the doubt of redemption other than maybe Luke and maybe his dad. But like. What are you talking about, Karen? How does that... How... I'm not trying to be funny and, like, break my sentence on purpose. I can't put my thoughts together. Yeah, the the words aren't coming. The plan is apparently bring Jason in now. Okay, how are you going to do that? I got to use skills Jason doesn't have, a.k.a. Boba Fett skills for kills. There's a lot of good stuff here, actually, <laughs> in this paragraph. Mm-hmm. Between the between the two of them, and then Jaina's like, she says she, she focuses her reason for stopping Jason into saving her dad. Her dad is destroyed right now by yeah. all the things he's doing. So, for my dad's sake, I'll get him. And then she also thinks it must be so sad for Han. That he can't help, but Boba Fett can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. As the dad, you can't go you to can't your dad. Help, you can't help your own kids, but your lifelong nemesis can. That's a tough pill to swallow. They do Even have in this crazy galaxy where you've already gone on a mission with Boba Fett and yeah. shot your cousin in the face and stuff. And they do have a fairly healthy respect for each other, so that and they he always has Boba Fett. It's yeah. never personal, right? Yeah. Well, tell your enemy's daughter comes knocking on your door asking for help to kill her brother. Not personal. Chapter three. Starts with another famous Karen Blurb. Boba, how has your illness progressed? Has my data been of use to you? My offer still stands. Ton Wee. Former human clone development supervisor on Camino, now head of clone adjustment at Arcanian Micro. Um, That's the building he broke into. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. But why is Tan Wee checking in on Boba Fett's well-being? They have a pretty hostile relationship. Last I checked, seems yeah. weird. It seems weird to me. I think it's just to remind us that Boba Fett's in terrible health. Yeah, and he stole some data from her or something. Yeah, I think he, I don't know, yeah. And she she said I I, I can do it. Yeah. I could fix you or help you or whatever. Either way, something like that. I don't know what I don't know the full purpose of that. Maybe to remind us of Ton Wee, she may, maybe she'll come back into the fold or remind us that Boba Fett's sick. Either way, we don't start with any of that. Nope. We start in the Galactic City spaceport where Ben is in spy mode using his GAG and mom based training. Towards bringing down Jason. Jaina wants to bring him in. Ben wants to bring him down. A little bit of a difference. Yeah. But if they could just bring their goals together and get their vowels figured out, they'd be on the same page. (laughs) Ben is on spy mode looking for Shivu. First, he's looking for his girlfriend. He can't find her where she works, so he goes right to his apartment. Yep. Breaks into the trained officer's home. And is nearly shot to shit when, Almost dies. when Shivu comes home. Luckily, Ben's a Jedi and stops the laser with his hands. By the way, just realized that casual note. He deflected that blaster bolt with his hands. He didn't have his lightsaber out. Interesting. 
That's some powerful shit right there. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't specifically say it, but it doesn't it doesn't say it one way or the other. He was just sitting on the couch chilling. I don't think he had his lightsaber out and ignited. You know what I mean? Either way, that would be really cool if he def- if he just did a grandpa move at the dinner table and just absorbed that blaster bullet with his hand. Why is he at Shiva's apartment? Why is he skulking around Coruscant? He's here to tell Shivu that Jason killed my mom. He has to go tell everybody now. Yeah. This kid is not over it. It's only been 12 weeks. I think he's trying to find somebody that'll help him and ra- truly believe him. I think that's part of it, too. He wants to go over the evidence. He wants to compare notes. But I think he also is looking for reassurance. Yeah. He wants people to tell him that he's not crazy for being the only one that believes this. He wants someone else to tell him, yeah, it's possible. So, Ben tells Shivu, Jason killed my mom. And Shivu says, yep, he probably did. Let's compare notes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they get down to it. Cut to Admiral's private launch, where Nyathal goes to see Luke Skywalker completely by herself. No aides, no pilot to the shuttle, no nothing. Yeah. It's her and Luke. Her message is pretty simple. I need Jason gone, so I'll spy for you if you use my information to get the fuck rid of him. Simple. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Which is exactly what everybody wants to do that's, anyway, so... I mean, that's how deals work, right? Oh. It's not, hey, I'll just do you infinite favors. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you don't ever have to help me out. Luke says, yes. And as we just pointed out, there's a counterpoint to the offer. First thing I have to tell you, he's a Sith. Let me explain what that means to you. Which, again, is something that Ben just did to Shivu in the previous chapter. Yeah. He's a Sith. Let me tell you how bad that is. So now Luke explains that to Nyathal. And then he asks her his side of the deal. Ben's on Coruscant and he thinks I I don't know. I really need you to make sure he's safe as best you can. Yeah. (laughs) Help him out if you can. Help my son secretly since I can't stop him from doing the things that he wants to do. And I'm also not in the parenting mode of trying to do that. And even if he could or wanted to, he couldn't step foot on Coruscant. <laughs> I bet you he could. If he can get on the Anakin solo twice in one book. Uh, okay. Three times. Cause he did it right at the end of the last book too. At, at the end of six, when he finds Ben being tortured, gets on there twice in book seven. <laughs> Maybe there's a picture of him. Have you seen this man? Maybe there's Wanted. Just, maybe there's one door on the side of it that says secret entrance. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's fucking scoots in there, no problem. <laughs> Either way, Luke's just looking for protection for Ben. Because you do. Dad knows all. He knows where he is and he knows what he's up to. Finally. After the first bunch of books of him sneaking around and nobody knowing what the hell he was mm-hmm. doing. Secret evil Sith shit for Jason. Cut to Feta. Or Fett and Myrta are picking up Sleeping Beauty Sintis. And Fett feels too rooted and too connected and involved to his family and culture. And he feels overwhelmed by this all this family and people that he's treated so terribly. And he's greeted with a crowd of people back at Mandalore when they bring Sintis back to witness the unfreezing of more of that horrible relationship building. Mm. He's really good at. Well, he he has been away from it for like 60, 70 years, whatever. Yeah, because he doesn't care. And yeah. neither do I, as we get lots of talk about rando mandos and their families that I don't care about before they unfreeze Sintis. And a pretty harrowing scene where, like, Myrta's holding her hand. She's freaking out. She's blind. She's coming out blind, confused, amnesiatic. Oh, and in her mid-30s, where yeah. Boba Fett is 70s. Yep. That's love life is complicated. Chapter four starts with a blurb. Sweetheart, are you okay? Don't take any stupid risks. You're not responsible for saving the Galactic Alliance single-handed. Shula Shivu, newly married, in an encrypted message to her husband. Uh, this means that. Shivu's gonna die really soon, right? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> his, that's what I'm his, thinking. His wife left him a message that said, "Take it easy out there. You don't have to save the whole world by yourself." 
superhero. Yeah. It, it, so kiss that fucking guy goodbye. It, it was I. I didn't read that when I was reading the chapters. Right. So when you started it with sweetheart, it was it was weird. Very jarring. I know you chuckled. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, he was Ben was just talking to Shivu about where's your girlfriend? Oh, we just got married, and I had to send her away because it's very dangerous to be here around me right now. Yeah. And then let's start a chapter with a little love note. Take care. Be yeah. careful out there. <laughs> You're so dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going down. But chapter four really starts. Back on Bastion. Where? Old Gil is watching his own funeral rehearsal from up in a window in a meeting room. That's weird. It's logical at the same time. He's 92 years old. And he's the chief of state, the head of state. Yeah, I don't care. I don't you want gotta, to practice my You gotta funeral. be ready for it, I guess, right? But it's pretty fucking macabre. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna be standing there watching this right before a big moth council meeting. Mm-hmm. Is this some kind of symbolism? <laughs> a foreshadowing imagery that we're meant to carry forward with us? Him watching what his funeral is gonna be from a very close distance? Yeah. Uh, Maybe then, it's not so far away is what we're being told. And then immediately going to talk to to the moths, maybe one to, of them. To all all the other people that are in control and want his job. Yeah. For sure. And he does a little fancy conversation manipulation before revealing Jason's offer to all of them. He'll give us... What the fuck planets? Yeah. Bill Bringy and... And Balmora. Balmora. You did it. Thanks. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah, man. That was a tough... Mad Libs. <laughs> it just says planet underneath it. Yeah. He'll give us Bill Bringy and Balmora if we give him our ships to win the war. But Pelion doesn't want to work with Jason. It's very obvious that this is history repeating itself when you're 92 years old. Mm-hmm. And you were there for the first one. You were front seat sidecar for yeah. the first one. He says... One Palpatine was enough for a lifetime. And he says that before he gets the news about Lieutenant Tibut. Mm-hmm. One Palpatine was enough for a lifetime. Well, brother, you weren't wrong. He's a smart guy. <laughs> he is, dude. He's 92 years old and fully on top of his shit. Which, I mean, he refuses to be senile. He refuses to be swept under the rug. And, you know, he was forced into retirement, but he's... Essentially, just kind of waiting in the bushes is kind of the impression I got from him. Yeah. And then we cut to the Anakin solo at Fondor, where Kaidus is having like this introspective pondering moment where he's ch- about his changing relationship with death and about how he's had to deal it out. And sometimes it seems fair, sometimes it seems wrong. He's turning to call out Lieutenant Tibet, and that's weird. And why am I doing that? Am I feeling guilty? He's like having this whole introspective yeah. conversation with himself. He doesn't want to forget what pain and fear feel like. He needs them for all the Sith business, of course. Mm-hmm. He says he needs them for his duty. The duty that, you know, he seemed to have lost sight of in the last book. Yeah. The duty of creating a better future, not protecting the five-year-old now. Yeah. Right. But so now the five-year-old's gone again out of his immediate radius. Yes. For his, for needing that fear and that pain, is that, uh, is that for, because pain and that gives Sith more power? Yeah. Or is it? I need to remember fear and pain. So I know when I, I dish to, it out, I need to stay in touch with my humanity Yeah, to do my duty. If I lose sight of my humanity, then I'm doomed to repeat the mistakes of my grandfather type of thing. Right? Like dude, you're it is there. him. Yeah. No shit. Right. Black Cape choking people, <laughs> choke slamming bitches on the fucking yeah, right on bridge. The bridge. The yeah. But that's, I, so in retrospect of having killed Lieutenant Tibet, he's thinking to himself like, maybe maybe it's because he was so careless and impulsive when he did that that he's having this reflection of like, 
Gotta remember what pain feels like so you don't misuse it. Maybe. Yes. You remember what that fear feels like so you don't get distracted <laughs> and ambushed. Yeah. Twice on your ship. <laughs> That's like the fourth time that Luke's been on Anakin. Was was the time that he crushed him in his chair a separate time from finding Ben? I think it was. Yes, it was. He's Luke Skywalker's broken on your ship so many times. How the fuck do you sleep at night? <laughs> How do you even consider this thing safe at all? It's wild. Anyways, they're at Fondor. And here at Fondor, he has a mission for Tahiri. To prove herself worthy of being his apprentice. You have to test these apprentices, don't you know? You have to send them on missions that make them do the wrong thing on purpose. And then you make them doubt themselves and question them so that you can mold their perception of reality more in line with your own so that you can manipulate them easier and easier as you move along. Not to give anything away, but <laughs> I feel like that's the approach. I, I, I feel like that's already, uh, he already tried that once with somebody. Yeah. So he's got a test for Tahiri now. He approaches the enemy ships across Fondor state space lines. Yeah. Where they, of course, start launching fighters. And Kaidus leaves the shields down on the Anakin mm-hmm. as the ships are approaching. And Kaidus tells Tahiri that you have full control of firing. You decide whether we should fire or not. You decide when we're threatened. You decide when it's justified to kill the enemy. She lights up the six ships like immediately. Yeah. And then Jason starts to berate her about, did you do the right thing? Did you even wait? Did you, were we even threatened? Did they even target us? Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, like I said, it's just him, you know, being manipulative. Mm-hmm. As you do when you're the Sith Master. Yep. To your apprentice. I think it's just because... I think he's, like, acting out. Because he's feeling bad about what he did, and he's feeling that weight of responsibility of giving orders and getting people killed, and yeah. the kind of thing that he said, that if you make mistakes, people get killed, uh, you know. He was trying to spread it out, be like, look, I'm not the only one that can do bad things or Yeah, I think for himself more than for anybody else. Yeah. He's just trying to make other people look and feel bad, so he doesn't feel bad. He's just being a bully. Yeah. And it's kind of kind of lowly behavior for him. Yeah. Where we've seen him be aggressive and be a bully before, but not in this like seemingly useless way. Yeah. Like, what was the point of that? I don't know. But after that... He might have a point at some point. After that, then he finally thinks about Alana. Mm-hmm. He says, she's gone forever. What? She escaped on the Millennium Falcon. hmm I mean, like, you could find her. Yeah. But apparently he has resigned himself to the fact that having a daughter is over. This is his sacrifice. He yeah. thought it was killing Mara. He thought it was alienating Ben. But now he realizes it's the fact that nobody is going to love him ever. Remember all along the way where he was like ha- being delusional mm-hmm. about like, no matter what I do, Tenelka and Alana will always love me. Yeah. And then it was, no matter what I do, Alana will always love me. And then now it's, look at all the things yeah. I've done and no one will now, ever love now me. Now it's just done. And that's my sacrifice. Copyright. Creed mm-hmm. 2001. Mm-hmm. My sacrifice. Uh, what happened to all the vengeance and fury and anger and conviction and direction? Also, he thinks Shivu is a good guy and gives him a few days off. Yeah, <laughs> he, 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 he likes Shivu. Fuck, man. Which goes a kind of counter to Ben and Shivu's plan, which is having him be there. Yeah. So, like, again, inadvertently, he's doing the right thing by making a mistake. Yeah. This time it's going to be the right thing for himself rather than, you know, accidentally doing the right thing for the whole galaxy by ruining everything could pay off. Yep. I don't know. Last time he had one of these serendipitous moments was he brought a five-year-old on a fucking panic run with him. And then Luke Skywalker didn't kill him. 
Katsu Keldabe Mandalore. Where Jaina arrives to a space escort slash possible hostage situation. She's brought her X-Wing to Mandalore to meet with Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And the whole time she's being like led through this procession of... Uh, she, she shows up at the planet. They calm her. Then a ship shows up and scares the fuck out of her because it sneaks up on her. Better tech than Stealth X tech. And then that ship escorts her down to Goran Bavine, who then questions her and looks her over. And that escorts her to a bar Oof, where yeah. there's a soccer match going on. Uh, English pub with a soccer match going on. Yeah, basically. Karen Travis is English. Yeah. Also, there was a couple of times in this where there was a couple, uh, there was a couple phrases that were very English. I uh, one of them was Ben saying he daren't tell Luke that he used the <laughs> word daren't. Wow. There was another one. Oh, there was another one. It was uh, shit. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a very British colloquialism. Either way, this is kind of such a British trope. We'll bring her to the pub. And there's a some kind of football match on, and the everybody's screaming and going crazy. And as the team scores the goal, and everybody goes mad. An old Mando in green armor walks in, pulls a blaster, and says, Hello, Jedi. Hope he doesn't shoot. Uh oh. Yeah, that's not good. Is this Fett? Is this anyone else? <laughs> Probably not. Will there be pew pewing? Will oh. there be shoosting? <laughs> Find out next week when we cover Legacy of the Force, Book 8. Revelation, chapters 5 through 8. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Hello, Jedi. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.